So we come here to Leviticus 26, and it's interesting, in these last two chapters of Leviticus, the word if is used 32 times. It's used a ton of times in this chapter. And then again, next week, we'll see it's used several times as well. And basically what we see in chapter 26 here, uh, the Lord telling Israel, if you do this, this will happen, and I'll do this, and if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen, and I'm going to do this. God's really giving them a prophetic word. Oftentimes when we think of prophecy, I think we tend to think of generalities. You know, the prophecies about the first coming of Jesus Christ. Prophecies about God regathering Israel in the last days. Prophecies concerning, you know, the state of the world in the last days. Prophecies about the rapture of the church, the second coming of Christ, and so forth. And they say a a third of the Bible are those types of prophecies. But there's also personal prophecies. The scripture is full of prophecies that are applicable to our own life. When the scripture says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord, that's a prophetic word. That's prophesying. If you call upon the name of the Lord, if you ask Jesus to be your Lord, he's going to forgive you and he's going to save you and you're going to have eternal life. That's a pretty awesome prophetic word, is it not? To know that I'm washed and to know I have eternal life. And when I pass from this life to the next, I'm going to spend eternity with my maker. That's a personal prophetic word for us. The scripture also speaks of those that shun him, those that love darkness other than light, they're still under condemnation. And if they die in that, they're going to spend eternity separated from him. And you look at that, and that is a, you know, a woe. That, that, a woe, a curse, that is a, you know, a, a prophetic word as well, though. And, and God's true to his word. Listen, God always keeps his word. And what's fascinating is in Amos 3, 7, it says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. It's amazing. God tells us what he's going to do before he does it. Again, you call on the name of the Lord. He says, you're going to be saved. If Jesus is genuinely your Lord, you've asked him to be your savior. And again, he's the Lord of your life. And if you shun him, you die in your sin. He says, you're under eternal condemnation. Again, and then throughout scripture, he reveals what he's going to do. And that's what he's doing with Israel here. And basically what he's selling them here in Leviticus 26, and then this goes into greater detail in the book of Deuteronomy towards the end of it, but we're going to see him saying here in verse 3, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, I'm going to bless you. And then in verse 14, if you do not obey me and do not deserve these commandments, there's going to be a curse that comes. And the curse that comes is a chastisement to bring them to repentance. And in verse 40 of this chapter, he says, But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, I'll forgive them and I'll restore them. Now, again, this has to do with God's covenant with Israel there in the Old Testament. We know that in Christ, we are in a new covenant. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there are similar principles that apply to the life of the believer today. We have absolutely been called to have a walk of obedience. Grace is not given to us to, giving, to give us a freedom to sin. It's a freedom to overcome sin. It's a freedom to walk in life. Grace is not only that saving agent that saves us from our sins, but it's a divine influence that we can walk in obedience with God. And there are blessings in walking in the will of the Lord. Can anyone say amen to that? When you walk in what God has called us to walk in. Romans 1.5 says, Through him we have received grace and apostleship. Notice here. For, he, for obedience to the faith 
among the nations for his name's sake, among whom you are the called of Jesus Christ. So we've, we've received grace to bless us. We've also seed, received grace to be able to walk in obedience to the Lord. And there's blessings in walking in the will of God. At the same time, Ephesians 5, 6 says, Do not, do not uh, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of dis- disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. So again, he says, there's curse that comes on those that walk in disobedience. Don't walk with them. God's called you not to be a partaker of those things, walking in disobedience and what comes with that, but to walk again in obedience and the blessing that comes with it. And then, listen, there's times when we don't obey. There's times when we fall short. There's times when we continue in that rebellion and God does bring that chastisement, but we get the same principle given to us in 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But praise God, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we know in the new covenant, walking with Christ, again, there's blessings of obedience. There's chastisement when we disobey, which is a blessing as well, and restoration of a practical walk with the Lord when we repent, abiding in Him versus walking in a manner that's grieving the Holy Spirit or like that Laodicean church where they push Jesus outside and He's knocking saying, hey, let me, let me come in here. What, what was that door? It was, it was their sin. And He tells them to repent of that. I counsel you to buy ISAF so that you can see and so forth. So with that in mind, let's dive right into this. Um, we'll see if we can get through the whole chapter. I'm going to have to work fast here. Uh, but it's loaded full of great truths. He says, You shall not make idols for yourself, neither a carved image or a sacred pillar shall you rear up for yourselves, nor shall you set up an engraved stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. And again, we know that God is spirit. Those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. John 4.24, Jesus said that. It takes faith to worship God who you can't see, doesn't it? Pagans, though, and the Canaanites, the Amorites around the Israelites as they were going into that land of Canaan, they worshiped what they could see. They worshiped the works of their hands. We know that there were demonic spirits behind those things that they worshiped. So there would be a temptation for Israel when they got into that land to go worship those gods of the Canaanites that they could see, as well as to go back to the gods of the Egyptians that they could see as well. So the Lord's telling them not to do that. Don't set up a carved image and say, this is God. Don't fall into that trap that Aaron fell into. Remember when Moses lingered up on Mount Sinai and he says, hey, give me all your gold. We're going to make a calf. This is the God that led you out of Egypt that delivered you. He says, don't do that. Don't be led by your flesh, but be led by your spirit. Walk by faith, not by sight. What's amazing that is though the gods you do see, the idols that are set up, you can see they actually don't do anything at all. Uh, How ironic. The prophet Isaiah talks about that. You worship these idols made by hands, but they're, they're dumb and they can't hear and they can't act. They just sit there. And yet, God who we can't see, we can see him doing everything. Just like you can't see the wind, but no one would argue there is no wind. Well, maybe someone would, but you can feel the effects of the wind. 
And God who is in spirit, we absolutely can see him working all around us, even in the conviction of the Holy Spirit to our hearts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We see in 1 John 5, 21 in the New Covenant. What's interesting, the last verse of that book says, little children, keep yourself from idols. And then it says, amen, or so be it. And absolutely, as followers of Christ today, I don't think in general there's a lot of people struggling, worshiping Moloch and Ashereth poles and that kind of thing. But absolutely, Jesus said that you can't love God and mammon. You can't serve God and mammon. You're going to love one and hate the other. And we can easily fall into those traps of making materialism an idol or self an idol or pleasure or entertainment or spiritualism or you know what different vices immorality or philosophies all kinds of different things that become idols and you know what an idol would be the thing that's become a master passion over god almighty it's not a matter of we're putting god first and these things are under again the lordship of jesus because not all these things are necessarily bad but they become bad when we make them an idol so he tells them and we'll see this incorporates don't do this there's going to be a curse with it a blessing if you refrain from it and i know in my life when jesus christ is first in my life there's a blessing in that there's we'll we'll see here i'm talking about the confidence and the safety and the security when you put me first and jesus wanted to assure us of that and matthew 6 33 when he says seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you have a security have a peace in it as you put me first you don't need to worry about these things. And so he's conveying the same principle to us. Quickly, there's another type of adultery as well, though, that's very strong in the world today. And it's men setting up God or gods, even false Jesuses, according to who they think he is or who he should be versus who he is in the scripture. And when you run into Christians today that have been indoctrinated by devils and philosophies of men who say things like well i believe all roads actually lead to god that's idolatry that's not what the scriptures say i believe you know jesus is loving and so he's just going to receive everyone into eternity whether they repent or not that's not the jesus of the bible remember paul warned those in corinth he was worried that they would be deceived by another christ if he came along and he says you may put up with them in other words don't put up with that put it out we see when it comes to issues of marriage and morality and so forth all kinds of you know what new definitions that you don't find in the scripture about marriage and gender and these types of things that people say well the jesus i serve of course you know he approves of all these things because he's loving when those things in themselves aren't loving it's not loving god because he said refrain from those things so when you don't you're loving that more than god that's why the scripture says we know we love god when we keep his commandments because we're saying i love god more than this sin and it's seen in my life it's seen in my actions so we got to make sure as he says beware of idols that we're not falling in that place of redefining god redefining jesus christ not according to the scriptures and walking again following the god of the scriptures but how we want to define him that's why it's so important that we are in the scriptures verse 2 he says you shall keep my sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary i am the lord and we've talked about the sabbaths till the cows have come home in the book of leviticus the main thing that i want to emphasize is that with the sabbath there was a gospel message it was a call for them to come and to rest and we saw 
in great detail last week in that seventh year rest. What a great blessing. Take a year off. That year of Jubilee, it would be every 50th year, the 49th and the 50th year, take a year off. Every seventh day, take this day off. And it was a call to come rest to the Lord. And he says, do this and you're going to be blessed. We'll see here. When we come to Jesus Christ, we rest, we cease from works, we have eternal life. Christ is our Sabbath. And when we trust him, we are blessed. And again, those that reject him, they're under a curse. Whether it's a thing they're in full-on rebellion against God and gross sin, or if they're in that place of saying, I'm going to work my way to heaven, that's gross sin as well. Maybe a grosser sin because you're declaring yourself to be some sort of redeemer or something along those lines. Isn't it good to rest in Christ tonight and the blessing of it he also says here have reverence for my sanctuary the Lord had already showed them the consequences of not giving reverence to the sanctuary remember when Nadab and Abihu early there in Exodus they come in with strange fire into the temple Uh, actually that was earlier in Leviticus I think chapter 10 and the Lord struck them down for that because they weren't walking in the holiness of God Holy means to be set apart. It means to be above all of these other things. They brought something profane. They brought something ordinary. They brought something common. When we use profanity, it's profaning, you know, especially the Lord's name of vain. It's making him ordinary. It's making him common. He's holy. And we should have reverence for him. We should have reverence as well, again, for the assembly of the saints and reverence before God and our walks with them. There's blessing found in that. There's blessings found in the fear of God, having reverence to God. The scripture has all kinds of promises that come when you walk in the fear of God. It starts in Proverbs. You know the fear of God is what? The beginning of wisdom. It's not good when you have wisdom and you walk with wisdom. Does anyone here love doing stupid things? I glory in doing dumb things. We, we do a lot of dumb things. That's not a blessing. It's a blessing to walk in wisdom. Hebrews 12, 28, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God, hear this, acceptably and with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. So we see by grace we can serve Him in an acceptable manner with reverence and godly fear. Grace saves us. Grace is also a divine influence upon our lives. That's why in Acts it says they were growing in grace as they grew in the Lord. Now listen here. Let's read 3 through 6. He says, If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce. The trees of the field shall, shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. I will give peace in the land and you shall lie down and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts and the sword will not go through your land. What a promise. He's saying, walk in my statutes. Walk in my commandments. Walk in what I've called you to walk in. And listen, his commandments are not burdensome. These were things meant to be a blessing to the Israelites. It was a way for them to walk in fellowship with the Lord. Even in walking in his commandments, it wasn't say you've got to be absolutely perfect and then you'll get this. The Lord knew they would fall short, but he gave them provision for that, right? Bring a sin offering, a transgression offering. The high priest would go in once a year to make atonement for the sins of the people. He says, walk in that. I I know you're going to fall short, 
But when you do, walk in the prescription that I've given to you to deal with the matter. And you're going to be blessed in it. Draw near to me and so forth. Take advantage of those provisions to deal with your sin and then walk in the instruction that I've given to you. And notice here, he's saying, I'm going to give you the rain. I'm going to give you fruit. I'm going to give you bread. You're going to dwell safely in the land. You are going to live in peace. You're not going to live in fear. And I'm going to rid the land of evil beasts. Again, when you walk close with the Lord, you don't have to strive. There is a worry that doesn't exist there. To know that as we seek after him, again, he says, I'm going to add to you what's needed. It's a, it's a glorious thing, again, to have the work of the Spirit in your life. Notice he said, I'm going to bring rain. We, we read about the Holy Spirit, a latter rain. Fruit in your life to them, we read about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Bread, we know that, again, Christ is the bread of life. You're going to dwell safely. So many people in the world are running around for sec- trying to find security and walling things up and cameras. And there might be a, a practical side of that. But isn't it not good to rest in the Lord Jesus Christ and have a security in Him, knowing He is my Lord and I'm walking with Him, fellowshipping with Him? And He says He's going to rid the land of evil beasts for them as they would go into the land. And absolutely, we can have security against the evil one. We can know, yes, there will be spiritual warfare, but I need not fear that because Jesus is my Lord and I'm walking in fellowship with Him. There were times when Israel absolutely walked in that fellowship and all of these things came to fruition abundantly. Verse 7, he says, You will chase your enemies and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five shall chase a hundred and a hundred shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. And there were some times in the history of Israel, the history of Judah, where they were walking in fellowship with God and you see these enormous victories and you're like, what in the world's going on here? Whether it's Gideon with his 300 men, you know, fighting against that army surrounding them. Whether it was, you know, at a picture of David versus Goliath. Remember, everyone's shaking in their boots and here this little boy comes up and he's like, you know what? Why are you letting this uncircumcised Philistine talk all this smack? Now, he didn't actually say that, but that's the paraphrase of it. And it wasn't that David's faith was in his in his slingshot and some people foolishly think that well he was so good with a slingshot he didn't fear remember david said i come at you in the name of the lord david knew the promises of god he knew that one would put a thousand to flight that a hundred would put ten thousand to flight he understood if we trust in the lord the lord's going to bring victory he didn't see goliath as a giant he saw him as an ant you know why because he saw the greatness of god and yeah, naturalized, you look at that giant and like, here we are, here's this guy 10 feet and he's a great champion. But all of a sudden you look up God and his promise like, well, you're an ant next to my God. And God said, if again, we walk in his commandments, he's going to give us victory. And it's glorious at times when you see that in the nation of Israel, this incredible victory is when they would cry out to God and they were walking in obedience with the Lord. And a lot of times it was even just in the repentance they were, you know, walking in that obedience. You look at Samson, and Samson, they say it's a picture of what could have been. Remember when he took, takes the, the jawbone of a, of a donkey, and he goes and he slays a thousand uh, Philistines. One will put a thousand to flight. What could have been? And yet, in, instead of continuing to walk in faith, we see him 
wrestling with the flesh and you know you look at Samson and you see the blessing when he walked in the victory of the Lord but when he walked in disobedience I don't see a blessing when he's there in the house of Delilah you know yeah some sensual pleasure no doubt some fleshly euphorious but when men come in and gouge out your eyes and chain you and make sport of you that's not a blessing is it forfeiting what God had provided for him again when they walked in disobedience the opposite of this was true think about when they walked into Jericho way outnumbered as well as you know an untrained compared to those in Jericho and God brought the walls down and then there's gold and garments that are stolen that should have been given to God they're buried in the house of Achan and they go into Ai and they get routed why because there was sin in the camp they were disobedient and they had to bring out the umum and thum and go through the whole process of identifying who the family was. God gave all this opportunity to repent, and they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, and it cost them their lives. Once the sin was dealt with, they went in and they marched right over Ai like it wasn't even there and marched to the land of Canaan in the days of Joshua. How does this apply to our life? Listen, James 4, 7. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Listen, sin in our life, practice and provision me for it. Hear this, it will give a place for the devil in your life. It will give a place for Satan to come in and wreak a havoc in your home, to wreak havoc in your marriages, to wreak havoc in your singleness, to wreak havoc in your parenting and your children's life. And abiding in the Lord and drawing near to Him, even bringing those struggles before Him, notice, submit to God, resist the devil, and He will flee from you. Do you believe that tonight? That's a promise from God there. We want to walk in that. And listen, if there's things you're wrestling with, bring them before him. If there are certain things you know need, you need to lay down and you're like, I don't want to lay this down, bring that before God and tell the Lord, I, I know I need to lay this down and I'm not wanting to. Crucify my flesh that the will of the Spirit of God would prevail over my will. Be honest and humble with him. He'll meet you where you are. 9 through 13, he says, For I will look on you favorably, and make you fruitful, multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat the old harvest and clear out the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And some people look at that and go, oh, who would God abhor? God is holy. God is without sin. He dwells in unapproachable life. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. He says, come walk in this covenant, and I won't abhor you. I'll be among you. Verse 12, I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. Does that not sound good? To say he's my God and we're his people. Who's your God? You know, people rattle off this, that, or that. Well, my God made heaven and earth. And he's my God and we're his people. What a glorious thing. It's personal. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that you should not be their slaves. I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you walk uprightly so again walk with me and be blessed don't be slaves to sin don't be slaves to egyptians to canaanites but instead be servants of god it's a glorious thing to be a servant of god versus being in bondage to something else and listen we are all tonight slaves to something romans six fifteen. what then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace certainly not do you not know that whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, 
you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. A promise for us. We want to disobey. We want to make provision for sin. We want to walk in it. He says there's going to be a death that comes with that. The wages of sin is always death. You want to present yourself to the Lord? Later on, Romans 12, it talks about presenting your body a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. He says this leads to righteousness, right standing with God, fellowship with God. Sin's pleasurable for a season, but the end of it is death. Verse 14, he says, but if you do not obey me, notice the change, we get another if here. If you do not obey me, I do not observe all these commandments. And I think this is, this is probably the heart of it here in verse 15. If you despise my statutes and your soul abhors my judgments so that you do not perform all my commandments but break my covenant, I also will do this to you. And then the next, I think it's 23 verses is stuff God's gonna do. And we'll read that here. So again, if you have reverence for me, if you wanna walk with me, if you want to obey me, you're going to be blessed. And again, th- this isn't saying you got to be just perfect because he made. We, how, how much time do we spend in the beginning of Leviticus looking at all the ways God had made provision for them to deal with their sins, which pointed them to Christ who has dealt with our sins. The Lord knows we're but dust. He's looking at the heart of the matter here. If you have a heart to want to walk with me, you're making it your aim to walk in what I've called you to walk in. Where you fall short, again, you deal with it. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to go before you. But if you don't do that, if you don't want to observe these, and I think, again, 15 gets to it. If you despise my statutes, if you abhor my judgments, then you're going to be cursed. And there were many times, again, in the history of Israel where they despised the judgments of God. They abhorred the word of God, where they even removed the the altar from the temple of God and brought in idols and so forth. You see it many times in their history. It saddens me because there are so many people today that profess Christ that despise his word. They don't have a reverence for his word. There's people that abhor his word. And I don't say this by judging hearts. I hear what people say. I see trends, not in all the body of Christ, praise God, for those standing strong in the word. But there are great trends of people despising the word of God, wanting to change the word of God, ashamed of the word of God. And if you're saying, Steve, that's your opinion and it means nothing, then we'll just turn to the scriptures. Because <laughs> my opinion does mean nothing. Second Timothy 4, 1 through 5, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Notice verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They'll despise sound doctrine. They'll despise the word of God, the word of truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But according to what? Their own desires. Let's not follow the word. Let's follow our own heart. Because they have itching ears. They want their flesh appeased. They'll heap up for themselves teachers. Again, a heap. Is not a little molehill. A heap is a mountain. There is going to be a heap of false teachers that will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. In other words, don't tell us the truth. 
tell us lies, tell us, tell us sweet little lies. You, you didn't know Fleetwood Mac was prophesying there, right? Tell us lies. Tell us what we want to hear. It's like in the day of Jeremiah says, the false prophets prophesy falsely and the people love it that way. They love it that way. He says, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. And you're saying, well, it's really not that big of a deal. There's not really, you know what, we're, we're trying to soften things up. God needs a PR man. We need to soften this stuff up. So the Lord knows our intent, and he knows it's good. It's okay if we're a little ashamed of the word. Well, Jesus said in Mark 8, 38, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, notice in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And there is an effort in an adulterous and sinful generation. Now listen, they've all been adulterous and sinful since Adam. But there's always been an effort of those in rebellion to try to condemn those walking with the Lord and bring a shame on them and get people to begin to be ashamed of the word because these unbelievers that shun Jesus Christ are trying to shame them. Do not fall into that trap. Do not fall into that trap when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your parenting, when it comes to, you know what, the things God has called you to do because Satan is, that, this is, we're not ignorant to his schemes. He's trying to shame believers into the corner and make them ashamed of the Word of God. I'm not ashamed of the Word of God. There's some stuff in here that's rough, is it not? It's offensive to the flesh. I read it and sometimes my flesh is offended. But this is God's Word. Some of it, you know what? At times you go, man, that's, I can't fully understand that. Hopefully we're going in understanding. I know you can study it your whole life and you still be scratching the surface, but this is the Word of God. And we can't fall into this bait. If you abhor God's Word tonight, if you despise, if there's even a few scriptures you despise, you need to bring that under the blood of Christ. You need to deal with that with God. I know there's some people, well, I don't like that chapter. I don't like that. I don't like that Apostle Paul and that stuff that he wrote. We're just going to stick with the red letters. It's like, well, what red letters are you reading? Because, listen, there's times when Jesus is way more harsh than Paul. Jesus talks about hell way more than Paul ever talks about it. Jesus tells the woman in adultery, I don't condemn you either, but repent, go sin no more. Where are we here? I'll do this to you, verse 16. And we will just kind of try to read through this quickly. He says, I will even appoint terror over you. You can look at that and say, God's saying, if you shun my word, I'm going to be a terrorist. I'll appoint terror over you. Now, he's not a terrorist in the, mo terrorist in the modern sense, praise God. But I'll appoint terror over you. Wasting disease and fever which shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow in your heart. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you shall be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you shall reign over you. 
and you shall flee when no one pursues you. Paranoid. You're going to flee when no one's pursuing you. You know, it sounds like someone deeply addicted to, to a narcotic. You know, they're paranoid. So they're out to get me. You're like, you're, you're fine, you know. Oh, they're, they're, they're out. There probably is someone out to get them, but it, it's, it, it's, you know, just everywhere they go, they're thinking that way. And why is that connection there? Because it's all pharmacia. It's all demonic. Again, walking in a fear, walking in a place of, of, of uh, a lack of, of confidence in the Lord. Again, notice here, he's going to bring sorrow in the heart. Proverbs 22.8, he who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. Now remember that. When you're tempted with sin, and boy, Satan can make it look so good, can't he? We got to know that, listen, I'm going to reap sorrow if I partake of this. And I'm also not loving God because I'm saying I love this more than God right now. That's why, again, in 1 John, he says, if you love me, keep my, it's, it's seen and keep me my commandments. And so hopefully this is all truth that can help us with these things when we're presented with these various temptations. Verse 18 to 20. And after all this, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. And we're going to see that repeated multiple times now. I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze. In other words, that's going to be hard to plow. And your strength shall be spent in vain, and your land shall not yield its produce, nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. How much easier just to humble your heart before the Lord, right? I'm going to break your pride. Humble yourself on the side of the Lord, and he'll lift you up. And then we see something here that, that Jesus taught on. I'm going to punish you seven times more for your sin. Remember Jesus said if you make a house clean, but if no one comes in to possess it, that demon that goes out is going to bring seven demons worse than them, and they're going to come occupy that home. That was spoken first and foremost about Israel. It's the Lord going back to this principle in Leviticus. God's saying, if you want to walk in this, then what's going to come upon you is going to be seven times worse. You're like, boy, what a, what a vindictive God. No, God's doing this to chastise them, to correct them. Whenever these things came, it was always with a heart to bring a repentance. When the, when, the, when the sky dried up, it was to bring a drought to bring them to repentance, like in the days of Elijah. That's why he prayed according to the will of God. Lord, make, it, make, it, make a drought come so there's no rain. And then there's that showdown on Mark, Mount Carmel, and there's a little revival that broke out, right? The Lord, he's God, when that fire came down. Verse 21, then if you walk contrary to me and are not willing to obey me, I will bring on you seven times more plagues according to your sin. Well, we just saw seven. Now we see seven times more. And I will send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children, destroy your livestock, and make you few in number, and your highway shall be desolate. Listen, sin's going to affect our kids. We look at the days of Deborah. Remember when it talks about the highways where people didn't go out on why? Because they were full of thieves and robbers and so forth and Israel was helpless against them because of their rebellion against God 23 through 26 and if by these things you are not reformed by me but walk contrary to me again God wants to reform them this is a chastisement 
Then I will also walk contrary to you, and I will punish you yet seven times for your sins. And I will bring a sword against you that will execute the vengeance of the covenant. When you are gathered together within your cities, I will send pestilence among you. But you think about all the pestilence in the world today. They say medicine's as best it's ever been, and yet there's more pestilence, you know, probably ever. I mean, there's, there's just pestilence all over the place. And you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. When I have cut off your supply of bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall bring back your bread by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. Listen, sin never satisfies. Pleasurable for a season, but it's like honey in the mouth that turns into gravel. The Lord absolutely satisfies the soul at every single turn. 27 through 35. And after all this, if you will not obey me, but walk contrary to me. And you're, at this point, they're reading like, hey, we don't have to worry. No one's going to get that far. You know anything about the history of Israel? <laughs> then I will also walk contrary to you in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. And you shall eat the flesh of your sons, and you shall eat the flesh of your daughters. And there's three recorded times in the history of Israel where they did that, being besieged. That's how horrible the depravity of man is. In rebellion against God, you want to keep rebellion, you can't believe how low you can go. Oh, boy, they're so low, I'd never do that. Oh, boy, that's an act of pride outside of Christ. All bets are off. They're all off. I know before I really came to Christ as an adult, I did some sinister stuff. Without the intervention of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't fool yourself. We are, we are capable of grossly wicked, wicked, wicked things. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and mercy and the indwelling of your spirit. I will destroy your high places, verse 30. Cut down your incense altars. Cast your carcasses on the lifeless forms of your idols. And my soul shall abhor you. I thought Jesus was loving. That don't sound like Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Christ died to prevent this, but he says, if you want to shun me, I'm going to cast your carcasses on the lifeless forms of your idols. Lord, don't play here. Tell us what you're really thinking, Lord. (laughs) And I will lay your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries to desolation. And I know what will not smell the fragrances of your sweet aromas. And if you don't think he did this, read the history of Israel. Start in Judges there. Well, we will make our way through, but I will bring the land to desolation, and your enemies who dwell in it shall be uh, astonished at it. I will scatter you among the nations and draw out a sword after you, and the land shall be desolate and your cities waste, and the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate. And you are in your enemy's land, and the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it shall rest from the time it did not rest on your Sabbaths when you dwell in it. And remember, we saw that. We talked about that last week, how they went into bondage for 70 years because for 490 years, they didn't let the land rest. God is true to his word. He's prophesying to them here. 36 through 39. And as far as, as far 
And for those of you who are left, I will send fatness into their hearts in their lands of their enemies. The sound of a shaken leaf shall cause them to flee. They shall flee as though fleeing from a sword, and they shall fall when no one pursues. We're told in 2 Timothy that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but power, uh, power, what is it? Power, love, and a sound mind. Again, what heart do you want to walk in? At times I see, you know what, I know in my own life, there, in times when I'm in rebellion, there's a fear there. There's a great, you know what, when, when, when you're just making your aim to keep short accounts with God and you're saying, Lord, search me and know me and we're gonna, we're gonna do what God's calling us to do here. Even if people don't understand it, boy, there's a great confidence in it. The enemy always want to get you to shake like a leaf. Oh, be worried. Oh, so this is going on and that's going on. So what? We're walking with the Lord. Oh, fire's coming. A fire's coming. Well, let it burn then. Burn out whatever needs to be burnt. That God can bring forth new life and so forth. Burn out of me, God, what needs to be burned out. Then they shall stumble over one another uh, as it were before a sword when no one pursues. And you shall have no power to stand before your enemies. Notice all the paranoia and whatnot. A lot of paranoia in the world today, is there not? A lot of people walking in fear. A lot of people shaking like a leaf. Oh, did you hear this report, that report? Isn't that our country? Every day there's a new report. I got in bed last night. I was looking at the news. I just started feeling sick to my stomach. Grieving for our country. And just all this back and forth, and this is going to happen, that's going to happen. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. Wait a minute, my God's on the throne. I want to do what God's called me to do, but I'm not going to shake like a leaf because of this, that, or the other. I'm a citizen of heaven. You shall perish among the nations, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. Lord ain't playing here. And those of you who are left shall waste away in their iniquity and their enemies' lands and their father's iniquities which are with them, they shall waste away. Notice here verse 40 though. Praise God, but if. Thank you, Lord, for but here. But if. But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me, that they have also walked contrary to me, and that I have also walked contrary to them and have brought them into the land of their enemies. If their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they accept their guilt, praise God, then I, remember, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham. I will remember and I will remember the land. If they confess their sins, if they humble their hearts, God's opposed to the proud gives grace to the humble. Now, this isn't saying we need to ask forgiveness for our sins and then the sins of our fathers and their fathers. The sin of the son is the son, the sin of the fathers of the fathers. This is a continuation of walking in the sins of the fathers and continuing in that aimless conduct. But he says, I'll forgive you. Aren't you glad for grace? God wants that. God wants to forgive. God wants to restore. God, God doesn't take pleasure in bringing this wrath he sent his son to bear the wrath for us so we could be washed and forgiven. Is that not an awesome God? And then notice 43 through 46. I think we're going to make it. 
The land shall be left empty by them and will enjoy its Sabbaths while it lies desolate without them. And they will accept their guilt because they despise my judgments because their soul abhorred my statutes. And there in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the plans I have for you, not to destroy you, but to give you peace, to prosper you. It's when they were going into captivity. It's going to lie in rest, but you know what? I'm going to go before you. Verse 44, and listen to this, it's huge. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, nor shall I abhor them to utterly destroy them and break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. But for their sakes, I will remember the covenant of their ancestors whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations that I might be their God and I am their Lord. These are the statutes and judgments and laws which the Lord made between himself and the children of Israel on Mount Sinai by the hand of Moses. He says, no matter what, I'm never gonna cast them away. No matter what, I'm never gonna give up on them. And he hasn't to this day. The reason that Israel is reestablished today in the Middle East is because of God's covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it saddens my heart that there's foolish men and there's foolish pastors that declare, well, God's done with Israel. Have you not read your Bibles? Have you not read Romans 11 where Paul talks about us being grafted in because of their disobedience, but all Israel will be saved? I mean, for goodness sakes, we're seeing incredible prophecy unfolding and yet individuals even fulfilling prophecy saying, now this isn't of God. As God was faithful to Israel, praise God. Is Jesus your Lord? Can you say amen to that? He can be faithful to you. What a glorious God. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. We praise you. We thank you, God, for your goodness to us, God. The fact that you do want to bless us. The fact, God, that you want to instill a confidence in our hearts towards you. Lord God, I pray we'd be found walking with you and growing in you, God. Even absolutely casting our cares on you and bringing our struggles before you. Lord, tonight, God, if there's areas where we are despising you or shunning you, making provision for our own way, oh, Lord, I pray that, God, we'd humble our hearts and bring those before you. Far better to humble your heart before the Lord than to be humbled by the Lord. We thank you for the plan of salvation. We thank you that you set Israel aside to bring forth the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that tonight your word is true, that whoever would repent, turn from their Lord and their lords and turn to you as the lord and put faith in you to be their lord will be saved we thank you for that prophetic word that we can rest in it that your promises are yes and amen and if that's you call on him tonight do business with the lord tonight today's the day of salvation now is the acceptable time we don't know what tomorrow holds or for that matter what this night even holds but we thank you for this great season of grace and your goodness to us god lord bless the rest of our fellowship here tonight we pray these things in jesus name and we said together amen god bless you